the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black and Your Money. Your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. What's on your financial mind? Got plenty to talk about today, no doubt about it. Markets cooled off just a skosh from record highs. They went in record ground on Monday, but anticipated to backpedal a bit today. With a sharp move in the U.S. dollar index, concerns about the market being ahead of itself. Good. Um, so the market's opened lower, but instantly fought back to almost break even. We'll see where the day goes. Uh, focal point for a lot of investors is that dollar index right now. How it is valued compared to the euro and the yen. It's kind of like the bang for the buck kind of thing. Uh, when it weakens, we do... Better with foreign trade when it strengthens. We do better. Foreigners do better with trade with us, but we do better traveling. We get more bang for it. But like you see, kind of like there's some angles there. The businesses obviously would have issues with. Number of sources attributing the notable currency gyration to the San Francisco Fed President Williams yesterday, who suggested central banks need to reassess current policy frameworks and consider adjustments that could include options such as a price level or nominal GDP target since natural rates appear poised to remain very, very low. And that suggests higher interest rates is the bottom line. We're taking into account, and I guess we're taking the validity of will that stick or not, or is it just a grain of salt? So we got that to you know process. Um, looking at the economic data, the key takeaway is right now is that we are in a low-growth economy. And that's unlikely to trigger a tightening of monetary policy in September, even though Fed President New York, New York Fed President Dudley said, you know, possibility. It's about a 51% possibility that they raise rates. Last week was about 40-something. So they're leaning, or it's, I don't know, I guess the, the gambling man is starting to throw money one way. So consumer price index for July came out unchanged. That's nice. Uh, not a lot of inflation. 
So on a unadjusted basis, CPI was up eight tenths of a percent year over year, which is pretty good. The core was up two point two percent. Those growth rates mark a slowdown from where we were a couple months ago on a year over year basis. So not inflation's not picking up. It's not rearing its ugly head. Housing starts in July were up 2.1% to a seasonally adjusted annual rate of 1.2 million units. And building permits declined one-tenth of a percent to 1.11 million. So that's all good stuff. Let's bring in CFP Chad Burton. Joining me now, CFP Chad Burton talking major decisions that can affect your retirement. Um, This seems pretty obvious, like not saving enough money, so you're living off Social Security. Are we talking that kind of major decision? Yeah, I mean, there's a good article at USA News Money site, and um, one of the biggest ones, you and I talk about it all the time, is is when you start saving. And an example that it, when you run the numbers, what I typically see is if a person gets out of college or starting a job at 22 to 25, they can save 10% of pay, technic- typically, if they have a bit of a retirement match on their 401k, like 4%. And they'll be able to retire at 65 with the same type of a lifestyle in most cases. If you start saving when you're 45, in other words, you've enjoyed your lifestyle, you're buying all these depreciating assets, your favorite cars, your boats, you're swapping houses and spouses and things like that, and you don't start until you're 45 years old, you have nothing saved up, you're going to have to save 25% of pay in order to get to that same point that only 10% if you would have started a couple of decades earlier. So compound and time is on your side. I mean, that means you're you're actually decreasing your lifestyle at the age of 45 to have a decreased lifestyle at the age of 65. So you have to get on board with the idea you got to pay yourself first at an early age. Okay, so let's talk a little bit more on some of these decisions. And I think one of the toughest things that people have is taking a decision. Like, we all come up with these great ideas, like, I'm going to make X amount of money. I'm going to save X amount of money. I'm going to budget X amount of ways, but then taking action is actually probably the toughest part of financial planning. Yeah, it is. I mean, you kind of have to have one, you know, week and day a month to concentrate on your financial plan, whether that's tracking your, your budget through a mint.com or some of the other sites that do that. I think you mentioned one recently that you've, you've found similar to mint. Yeah, it's called uh, level level. Um, and that, you know, you've got to go in, you've got to itemize your expenses so you can track your expenses, see where you're spent spending too much, see where you can cut and be able to save because so many people, these, you know, 20 and 30 somethings are still giving up their 401k match. They think that the system is broken because of the bubbles that we've gone through. They are scared to save because they hear about things like high frequency trading that they think makes a difference in the long run. And it doesn't, I mean, not taking advantage of the 401k match is death to your retirement. I understand that. And, you know, I can give you a perfect example where my brother Michael, who's 18 months older than me, he made a decision in the early 90s when there was a thrift and saving loans crisis um, that the banks were failing that he wanted out of the stock market. So he cashed out, cashed out his 401k, and he missed the 20 year bull run. Yeah, the eight year run that was unbelievable to in the 90s. Yeah. And uh, then, you know, we had another dip in 2000, and he probably was feeling pretty smart like, haha, I got out. 10 years ago, and only to be at this point in time. He's going to work till the day he dies because of that decision. Yeah, it is. And then the same people that cash out their 401k. Here, here's what's been typical lately. People cash out their 401k down to get a, take advantage of the low rates on their loans so they can get into a house that they can barely afford. So they cash out their 401k, and they get 20% tax withholding, and they think that's it. Then they go buy the house, and then April 15th comes around, and they've got 
another huge, you know, double digit number, thousands of dollars that they have to come up with to pay Uncle Sam. And you can't go bunk- bankrupt with Uncle Sam. Yeah, and what you mean by that is when you owe them X amount of dollars, you will eventually pay them X amount of dollars. They will put liens on your house. They will put liens on your paycheck. They will get that money. Liens on your IRA. Oh, can you imagine? Yeah, because they they can lean put a lien on your IRA, and they can force you to pull the money out of it to pay the taxes, and you'll avoid the 10% penalty, but you still have to pay the taxes on the money that they lien. So it's like this ongoing ballooning problem. Does that lien get a uh, grade of A? <laughs> Would you invest in liens? Oh, there's a lot of people that invest in the tax lien situation. And the thing Shady. Is, I will never invest in anything where who I'm investing with prints their own statement. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, I totally know what you mean, but most of our listeners, not most of our listeners, but there's a large ignorant swath of people out there. It's like uh, uh, private REITs, too. Here, our share, our share price is $10 a share. We don't know how we came up with that, but here you go. It's $10 a share. And now you're seeing the Wells REIT 1, Wells REIT 2, and they've, they've gone public, and you can see where people are disappointed with their returns and private REITs. I wouldn't touch private REITs at all. With that said, that's CFP Chad Burton. You can find him online at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. And I'm Rob Black, and the good news is American workers are saving more for retirement, whether it's a sign of economic strength financial savvy, a little more education, more workers are bulking up their retirement contributions. 21% of Americans who are working said they are saving more for retirement than they were last year. Five years ago when the survey was first conducted, those savings less outnumbered than those saving more by two to one. So that's good to see. Um, We're adding jobs. People are doing a little bit better. Um, Generation X and younger millennials are the ones who are doing the most saving per se. At this point in time, Domino's, I know you can invest in Domino's. That's right. Domino's publicly traded company. It's been a great investment for 10 years. Um, they're marrying more pizza and technology. It's crazy how much technology is in pizza at this point in time versus the airlines. You can find me online at robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com. Find me on Twitter, Rob Black Show, and YouTube, Rob Black Show. Black now. 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome back in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. Joining me now, Kim Githler, founder of The Money Show. Been doing these for very long time, 28 plus years it looks like. How are you, Kim? I'm great, Rob. How are you? I'm doing well. Now, the Money Show is coming to San Francisco. Tell us a little bit about what is a Money Show. A Money Show is a gathering of investors and traders that uh, probably about 4,000 people over a three-day period with a host of about 150 experts that speak about Washington, uh, government policies, economics, energy, commodities, most importantly, the stock market and bond market, where the global markets are going, and hopefully opportunities for investors to uh, 
see new products and services uh, like software and other things that they may not have the hands-on experience when they are, uh, in essence, uh, not at a show and in front of all of those people. So we give them a lot of hands-on great opportunities and experience to become a more successful investor. That's what the Money Show does. It's a marketplace of great communion, engagement, and networking. Got it. So the Money Show that's coming up, it's in San Francisco. What's the the process for getting involved with it? In essence, you can go to the San Francisco uh, Money Show website and register free of charge. We have never really wanted to put up a barrier for education, and we bring the very best experts in. We have people like Arthur Laffer, Stephen Moore. Uh, we have people like Mark Mills, who's Steve Forbes' go-to energy analyst coming in to talk about energy and technology. We have the Gilder Telecosm, where we'll be talking about disruptive technologies and all kinds of things like that, but it's free of charge. You can log on to MoneyShowSanFrancisco.com, register, and come to about 150 events over three days. Lots of excitement. You choose your topics. You choose your experts. A lot of milling around to do, a lot of expos, a lot of booths set up, a lot of freebies to be given out. People could wander from booth to booth, ask a lot of questions. I highly recommend that. The exhibitors that you put together, um, like you said, some of uh, some pretty high in names as far as guests go, and we'll be having them on the air in the next couple of days. What else do you want to tell us about the show? And uh, you know, tell us a little bit more if you can. Well, one thing I'd like to share with you that we have is wonderful book signing opportunities with people like Wayne Allen Root or George Gilder or Bill Feingold, who's one of the top convertible bond specialists out there. He's written a great book, Mark Skousen, who's written 23 books on the economy. He's probably our a terrific, terrific speaker. We have TD Ameritrade. We have uh, all of their software on display. We have Merrill Lynch and their uh, software on display. We have uh, Investors Business Daily there. Uh, we will be covered by the Wall Street Journal while we're there. We have Forbes there. We'll be covered by Forbes. Um, we have VectorVest there who does stock analysis. We have sure. a terrific economist by the name of um, Robert Eisenbeis, who's uh, basically the vice chairman and chief economist for Cumberland Advisors and was on uh, the Federal Reserve Board uh, previously. So he'll talk to you about currencies and interest rates and you'll get a good real understanding of of where the economy and the macro markets are and apply it to your investing. And where is the location this year? Marriott, San Francisco, which is right by Moscone Center. It is right by there. San Francisco Marriott Marquis, the Money Show, August 23rd through 25th. Um, you can sign up right here, right now at SanFranciscoMoneyShow.com. It's a show that comes through about once a year. Is that right? That's right. It is going to be our 35th anniversary celebration nice. to invest smarter and trade wiser in San Francisco. And we love San Francisco. It's uh, a place that is near and dear to my heart. And I will share with you that it is the the coldest summer I ever spent the coldest winter I ever spent, as Mark Train said, is the summer in San Francisco. 
Absolutely. It's um, a little different now than it was back when Mark Twain's days. I think there's a little is it? shifting of the climate, a little shifting of the climate at times, it feels like. Um, September's a wonderful month to be in San Francisco, so oh, uh, it's my you're cutting it pretty close. Do, am I, how's the fog doing? Uh, you get a little fog in the morning, but burns off by, by mid-morning, usually. So Yeah, there's nothing um, like that blue sky and that bay. Anyway, we've... We've got a lot of your guests coming up in the next couple of days, so people should start getting prepped for it and getting exciting for the money show. Any last thoughts, Kim? I um, I am very happy to meet each and every one of you. I've got some great opening remarks that talk to you about what it takes to be a successful investor, and uh, I'd love to have you come meet me, shake my hand. I'd love to meet you. Uh, there's a lot to do. Our opening ceremonies will begin at 2 p.m. on Tuesday, August 23rd. Uh, however, we will have um, meetings. I believe Investors Business Daily is doing something in the morning, so is Better Investing. And so our option strategies being uh, spoken about, along with a new area of investing, uh, which we want everyone to be very cautious about, but it is an opportunity that people are asking us to cover, which we are which is the cannabis industry, more in the medical cannabis area. Uh, so we are covering that industry uh, in the morning before the general session at 2 p.m. So come at 9 a.m., bright and early on the 23rd, and we will look forward to hosting you with a great event and answer hopefully lots of questions for you. Thanks very much. It's Ken Kittler with the San Francisco Money Show. People can find out more information by going to sanfranciscomoneyshow.com. It's an event that comes through town. It's got a premium blue chip list of sponsors, which is a very good endorsement. Companies like Aflac and TD Ameritrade, um, you'll see there, which is, again, pretty positive, pretty top-notch. Barnes & Noble, KDOW, so need we say more. You can find out more about the San Francisco Money Show at sanfranciscomoneyshow.com at sanfranciscomoneyshow.com 65 the nation's leading investment experts will be there a lot of educational workshops that you you know education's always always a real good thing for people to uh try to to push themselves on you do need to sign up online it is free you can sign up at sanfranciscomoneyshow.com i'm rob black talking all things financial you can call me at 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. Find me online at robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com. Find me on Twitter, Rob Black Show, and find me on YouTube, Rob Black Show. Interesting bit of technology out today that is of note. Google's making it easier for you to use your iPhone to talk to a Google phone with video. It's like, yes, finally. Uh, now we can just do the same thing with the messengers and things along those lines. Anyway, you can find me online at robblackshow.com. Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. 
Joining me now, Patrick O'Hare from Briefing.com. Mr. O'Hare, good day to you. And the same to you, Rob. Thank you. So, we're once again at the funny position where the market seems to be hitting new highs on a regular basis, but it's late summer and volume's down and volatility's down. Does this carry over into the fall, or do we give some of it back? What's your thought? Well, I think you certainly see volume pick up, um, obviously, with the uh, vacation schedules winding down. Um, but I think that the, the low volume you're seeing here also is a reflection of some of the concern tied to where, you know, how the market has gotten to where it's gotten to and in the face of some questionable fundamentals. Um, but the gains of late, um, to be fair, I think are, have been uh, marked more so by a lack of selling interest than an actual lack of buying interest, uh, which kind of just reflects that resilient nature of the equity market due to the ongoing support provided by the Fed's monetary uh, policy. Um, but, you know, as we move into the fall, you're obviously going to have the election uh, become, you know, even more front and center. Uh, so there could be some volatility tied around that. Uh, but, um, it, you know, this market has yet to demonstrate any real fear of anything. Um, and so I'm not quite sure, uh, honestly, you know, what the, the fear factor would be. Um, and um, I'm actually going to start uh, I'm going to investigate that specific issue as to, you know, what really could derail this market um, in my big picture column later this week. One of the things you and I always have to talk about is the, the flow of funds. I've got a 401k that I tell people, good market, bad market, invest every two weeks in your 401k, max it out. There's always going to, not always, I'm not going to say always, there's usually going to be a strong flow of money into the markets for the foreseeable future because the 401k is kind of taking over where pensions dropped off. Um, is it the 401k money that's that's propping up the market, or is, is that a what – would, what would you say about 401k money? Yeah, you know, I, I think you raise a, a really good point there, Rob. I do think that there is some, um, uh, you know, just passive investing money that, you know, as these, these allocations from these retirement funds uh, find their way into the market. And, and uh, you know, I think a lot of – Individuals are moving increasingly toward, um, you know, a passive index fund. So those dollars get allocated into, you know, the, uh, you know, S&P 500 index funds. Um, and you see this somewhat relentless bid, uh, you know, propping things up. Um, I do think, too, though, that you might, notwithstanding a lot of uh, chatter from some very smart individuals about the market uh, having gotten ahead of itself and trading at stretch valuations, you nonetheless have, uh, you know, money managers who are working against uh, performance benchmarks, and they're watching those benchmarks run away from them. Um, so I think there's some some chasing that's going on of these benchmarks uh, by money managers who are underinvested. Uh, and then at the same time, um, you, you probably have some uh, influence on the part of uh, pension funds and sovereign wealth funds and, uh, you know, insurance companies and the like that are trying to uh, do what they can to um, uh, get higher returns so that they're able to meet, you know, future liabilities uh, and are probably uh, within their respective investment mandates trying to deploy money into the equity market in pursuit of some higher returns. And so uh, it kind of goes back to, you know, what I was saying earlier is that you, you've seen a market characterized by real, you know, by a market that really doesn't get spooked for long by anything. Um, and I think a lot of that has to do with a lot of the 
the cache that is out there that's uh, ready, willing, and able to be deployed at a moment's time. Because even though there's some concern about where the market is here, it's always um, juxtaposed with the position that there's still a lot of people want the market to pull back so that they can put money to work, you know, at lower price levels. Uh, and that's just kind of uh, one other element that uh, keeps things uh, from falling apart at the moment. So switching back to the economy, uh, we saw some, I think, decent numbers. The Consumer Price Index out today was not inflationary. Is that enough to keep the Fed in check with our lukewarm economy, or is the lukewarm economy going to keep the Fed in check? Uh, what's your predictions on the Fed? Yeah, well, I mean, if, if uh, uh, you know, the, the CPI number that was out this morning uh, would, would certainly uh, work toward the argument that the Fed will not raise rates in September, uh, considering that, uh, you know, inflation trends are moving away from where the Fed would like them to go. In other words, they're not moving up, they're moving down, um, you know, on an unadjusted basis, both CPI and core CPI uh showed a deceleration in their growth rates uh in July versus where they stood in June. Um, you know, the housing starts data was um, looked good on the surface, but uh when you dig down into it, um, there wasn't a whole lot of growth to be had in the single family sector, um, which is where you would like to see the growth concentrated. Um, and then the industrial production number though was admittedly it was it was quite good. Uh there's growth across all major industry groups, which was nice to see. Uh, but can it be sustained? Um, that's the question. And then, of course, you take a step back and you look at some conflicting viewpoints being uh, put out there uh, over the last 24 hours from New York Fed President Dudley, who's trying to, you know, let them put the market on notice that a rate hike in September is still possible. And then San Francisco Fed President Williams, who's out with more of an academic discussion that suggests that, um, you know, maybe <laughs> maybe rates aren't going up for a very long time. <laughs> um, and uh, and it's just a, a world of confusion as it surrounds what the Fed policymakers might do. But that's been one of their biggest uh, shortcomings, really, is is they've their communications have not been aligned to give the market any clear sense of when and you know how much the Fed might uh, raise rates. Uh, and this is just another example of it. Anything that you're looking at right now, like Home Depot showing a really good quarter again, showing us that housing continues to play a positive role. Any indicators that you like to look at? I like to look at the transports, the Dow transports. That kind of gives me a little bit of comfort. I like to look at the employment numbers on the first Friday of the month. And then after that, I'm like, eh, housing's kind of important. So as Home Depot goes, so goes housing. But any little tricks or trades uh, you want to give us some insights on? Well, you know, I think, you know, one thing you, you look for is, is income growth, really. Um, you know, if consumer spending okay. is, is what, 69% of, of GDP, um, higher levels of income are gonna, are gonna promote higher levels of spending, uh, way more so than increased confidence levels will. Um, income growth is the primary driver there, and so, uh, so that's something that's really important to watch, um, you know, and, and really what consumers are doing. You know, the July retail sales report was was somewhat disappointing, but, you know, that was coming off of three straight months of retail sales gains. So we have to watch to see if the August number is is equally lackluster, and that might give some insight into the consumer who's, you know, maybe now backing off on discretionary spending activity, but we'll see. Um, but in any event, income growth is, a, is is one of those key data points that people should should keep an eye on for some uh, understanding of where the you know the broader economy might be moving in the third quarter. 
So what else are you working on for your big picture? You have to be, you have to be halfway through that because your big picture comes out on Fridays. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, you know, as I alluded to at the top of the interview, you know, one of the things that is uh, one of those questions out there on everyone's mind is, you know, you know, why is the market up the way that it is? Uh, yeah. And I think everyone continues to point back to just the interest rate differential or the, the, the seeking yield trade because, you know, market rates are so low. Um, and everyone's wondering, you know, what really could upset this market? You know, we saw Brexit, you had a, a two-day fallout, and then it was off to the races, you know. So I'm going to try and highlight some of those issues that, that could potentially upset the market here uh, in the near term. What might it be? Well, maybe it's, you know, an unexpected interest rate hike. Um, maybe it's a terrorist action. I don't know. Um, hope not, certainly. Um, maybe it's, you know, a President Trump. Um, you know, I don't know. You know, we'll just see. But I'm going to look a little bit further into that and try and highlight that for our readers. <laughs> the whole President Trump thing. Um, it seems like his campaign is really coming unglued. But then again, maybe it's something like a terrorist act that puts the glue back into it. Uh, what do we have? About 85 days, 80 days till the election. Are you thinking the election plays any role in the stock market between now and then? Um, I, I, I think, you know, we've talked about earlier, like, I, I don't believe it's played a huge role in, in it, uh, uh, up to this point. Um, but as, you know, now with that deadline getting even closer to election day, I think it does become more of a focal point. Um, but it would only really be upsetting, I think, uh, to this market if, um, you know, I think one of the, the steadying influences here of late has been this idea that, uh, Mrs. Clinton is, you know, moving ahead in the polls, um, and is, perceived, you know, at least in the market's mind, I think, as the the better of the two candidates um, for the market, all things considered. And, and so um, so maybe if that polling turns around, uh, you might see some some different action. But uh, but it will become more of an interesting trading point uh, in the uh, in the weeks ahead here. I'll let you go a couple minutes early. Thank you so much, Patrick O'Hare with briefing.com. Always a great guest, always terribly, terribly insightful. Um, into kind of where we stand is, I guess, the right way of saying it. When you use briefing.com, you start your day with his page one column. And you, there's so much on that website. You don't need to spend enormous amounts of money getting complicated you know, technology thrown at you. A lot of common sense, well-written. Everything, Stephen, on IPOs, uh, they have got a article subset called The Next Big Thing, and they look at the IPOs and they rate, you know, what the strengths and weaknesses are. They tell you how the IPO market's done in the last year, and you can kind of get a pulse that, like, tech IPOs aren't all that in a bucket of chicken. Medical IPOs are. So maybe you should be looking elsewhere these days if you've been looking at tech. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. If you want to learn more about briefing.com, go to briefing.com. Uh, tons of information there. And, again, Patrick O'Hare, top-notch guest. Black now. 800 
800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Thanks for listening to the show. I tried to do my very, very best giving you good, solid content. And if you ever want to give me feedback, drop me an email, rob at robblackshow.com. It's rob at robblackshow.com. Um, I encourage it. I may not like it. I may snap at you. Um, it's my East Coast nature, per se. Uh, but don't take it the wrong way. Take it as I feel entrenched in what I do, and I'm not trying to be rude. So 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Let's talk about some of the top stories of the day. Price drops at the gas pump are set to continue for, I'm not going to say the foreseeable future, but for the future for now. Uh, we're seeing some pretty good things as far as that goes. Um, GDP is not too hot. The jobs numbers are slowing. Interest rates, 10-year treasury. All of this is telling you that there's not a lot of activity going on, and that should keep gasoline lower, even though there's been a little bit of a mini-rally in oil. It's not based on fundamentals. Uh, Google has introduced uh, Duo, which is a video calling app. It's an alternative to Apple's FaceTime. You know, Apple's preferred its superior devices like the iPhone. Google has fought back with the operating system and a series of mobile apps that are more flexible and compatible. Google understands that, you know, it's got a different strategy that it goes after, but Google's trying to make it easy to, you know, have both devices do video sharing between the two of them. That's cute. So um, elsewhere out there in the world of news, consumer prices were unchanged in July. Not a lot of inflation going on. Home Depot, the world's largest home improvement retailer, said that their second quarter profit rose 9.3%. I like Home Depot as a long-term, patient investment. It is not for the short-term. So we're on the same field when I say that, right? You're not going to turn on me and say, I bought it the other week at $62 or $137, and it's currently at $134. So if you had bought Home Depot a couple years ago, back in 2011, it's gone from $34 a share to $137 a share. If you take a look at the stock essentially from the start, there was a bad period from 2000 to 2002. All stocks had a bad period. For, not all stocks, but most stocks had a bad period from 2000 to 2002. And from roughly you know 2008 to 2009, 2010 on Home Depot. Any big swoon has been a buying opportunity. Now the stock looks crazy expensive. Guess what? The stock has always looked crazy expensive. It's one of those stocks you scale into. It's not one of the stocks you jump into. Other news out there of note. For the record, on Home Depot, I expect home ownership numbers to rise in the future. Um, and people like to fix up their homes. So NBC is kind of at a crossroads. The Rio Olympics are going just about as splendidly as you could ask. They've had good stories on a regular basis. Average audience is 27.8 million. That's gobs of people um, <laughs> compared to ABC, CBS, and Fox combined. But it's down 17% from the games in London. And it tells you, once again, what's happened. 
people are shifting to more online. Um, online users have streamed 1.8 billion minutes of NBC's Rio's 2016 coverage, topping the combined number for London and Sochi and Russia. Um, and again, that's bad news for someone like NBC because they don't stream everything online. The Olympics, yes. Everything else, not so much. Um, in 2012, you know, in the last Olympics, Netflix had 25 million subscribers. Now Netflix has 46 million subscribers. Um, I don't think we get to a day and age where we're like, I don't want to watch any sports ever again. But I think people are cutting back. Warren Buffett, his company Berkshire Hathaway, bought more shares of Apple in the last quarter. Uh, they sold shares of Walmart, dropping its stake pretty aggressively. Uh, the company also reduced stakes in Deere and Suncor Energy. Kraft Heinz is still a big, big, big part of Berkshire Hathaway. Wells Fargo, Coca-Cola, IBM, American Express, some of the other top holdings. A lot of mutual funds take pay attention to what Warren Buffett holds because his track record's pretty darn good over time. Um, other stories of note out there, below prime borrowers have driven credit growth, which is, I think, a bad thing, not a good thing. Um, and, you know, what I think it's kind of a double-edged sword when you see credit usage going up. It's probably good for the economy. But when you see the number of credit card accounts that are rising so quickly due to riskier borrowers who are gaining access to credit for the first time since the Great Recession, it tells you, uh-oh, 10 million new consumers entered the credit marketplace in the last year alone, driving the total number of Americans with balance on at least one credit card to 133 um, million. So the credit card industry is very, very, very competitive. And when they start stretching, you start making some mistakes on who you add. Aetna is going to exit nearly seven in ten Obamacare plans that they currently have. That's a pretty big blow to Obamacare. If you take a look at any of the headlines out there, today is not a great day for Obamacare. Um, health insurer Aetna, Aetna, I'm glad I met you. Uh, they said in 2000, that in 2017 it's going to cease offering health care insurance options through the Affordable Care Act exchanges. Why? Because they lost egregious amounts of money. In the second quarter, they took a pre-tax loss of $200 million. If your business was losing $200 million in a 90-day period, there's a darn good chance you'd say, I, want, I need to shut that down. So are you mad at Aetna? I guess you'd have a right to be, but not a smart right. Um, so when you put people on health care that are sick and old, and you don't balance it with young people, and a lot of those young people, health insurers have no incentive because they're going to lose too much money. I love love. I'm going to take a break here. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.